0: This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. Carol is a term uh, that is a it's a about a song. Um, all songs were carols, but now we just know Christmas carols as carols, but they're intended uh, to elicit a response of, of joy. Uh, and in one uh, worship guide uh, that was written about singing, because we know how, uh, how singing is important for our own faith journey, we were able to uh, uh, internalize uh, truths of doctrine and stories, are motive. One, one instruction manual said, sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, no more ashamed of its being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. Right? So sing the songs of Satan. You sang them, but now sing the songs of Christ with joy. So for those of us in the midst that say, oh, I don't know if I can sing, we've got to sing. It's okay, a joyful noise to the Lord may be heard and should be heard. So again, people ask me, can you sing? And I say, absolutely. This doesn't sound very good. That's okay, the Lord <laughs> receives it. He receives it and he re- it rejoices in it. You used to sing those old songs that way, sing with the same passion. So we're, we're looking at these carols uh, this morning. But I wanted to turn to God's word uh, as, a, as a, a passage that we'll reflect on today that kind of connects with the hymn or the carol of the morning. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14. If you're able, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, among those with whom he is pleased. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Lord, thank you for your holy word that reveals your goodness and your grace, your character, your wonder, your beauty. It shows us how to live, but more importantly, it shows us who Jesus is. So help us to see Jesus clearly here and to be able to respond uh, with faith and with obedience so that we might live faithfully for you today. Amen. A man named Charles was 30 years old, and he nearly died from pneumonia. Day after day, he laid in bed, suffering not only from his illness, but from the treatments he was receiving uh, that were uh, from the 18th century. He was also, though, struggling with a spiritual ailment as well. Even though Charles was a priest, he did not have a full assurance of his faith. Deep down, he didn't truly know where he stood with the Lord, but his struggle came to a head on the day of Pentecost in 1738. Into his room walked a nurse, telling him she didn't have medicine, but a message. She stood next to his bed and said clearly, In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I tell you, Arise and believe, and you shall be healed of your infirmities. At that moment, he awoke and felt what he said was a strange palpitation in his heart. For the first time, he was able to say to himself, I believe, I do believe. The assurance of faith he sought had come to him at last. This man's name was Charles Wesley. We considered one of his carols uh, last week. He eventually recovered from his illness and went on to write more than 6,000 hymns, including Christ the Lord is Risen Today and Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. And exactly one year after this encounter with the living God, he wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing, a towering Christmas carol which one hymnologist, that's a thing, one hymnologist called one of the four most popular hymns in the English language. Like many of his hymns, the text clearly presents biblical doctrine in poetic language. The first stanza describes the song of the angels outside Bethlehem with an invitation to join them in the praise of Christ. The following verses present the truths of the virgin birth, Christ's deity, the immortality of the soul, the new birth, and a prayer for the transforming power of Christ in our lives. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. I had a chance to uh, talk about this uh, sanctuary and chapel to the elementary school students uh, this week, and um, we were talking about the tree and uh, how we, as they walked into the sanctuary, it was the first time they'd been in the sanctuary since it had been decorated so beautifully. Many of them went, oh, oh, it's a special time. And and one girl after chapel asked me, who's Harold? (laughs) Who's Harold? And I said, well, Harold is a, is a man's name, but you spell it H-A. Harold is a messenger. The hymn begins with two words that we don't really say uh, too often anymore. Harold and uh, hark. Does anyone you know say hark? If you see a person or you hear a person say hark, you kind of move away from that person. <laughs> hmm, hark, Yes. You're kind of suspicious of that person. But hark, what does it mean? It means to listen. Behold. I have something important to say to you. Hark, my friends. If you want to get your attention in your office, try that at the break room. Hark! (laughs) We're out of mayonnaise in the refrigerator. Hark means to listen or behold. And herald is normally a noun, which means an official messenger. In 2 Peter, Noah is referred to as a herald of righteousness. He's announcing God's requirements there. Uh, There is a herald in the book of Daniel whose job is to publicize the king's law. In this carol, herald is actually an adjective. You didn't know there was going to be grammar this morning. Adjective describing a kind of angel. It's a herald angel, a messenger angel. They're proclaiming the good news. The gospel that God has sent his one and only son to bring peace, mercy, and reconciliation to sinners. The hymn calls all the nations of the world to rise and join in the triumph of the skies, proclaiming glory to the newborn king. Essentially, all Christmas carols have this core message that God, the one who created the world, has taken on flesh to be with us. But what's important to understand is that God has done this not only to reveal his power or to help us to feel uh, sentimental at Christmas time. It's not just so that we can have our hearts warmed by a touching scene of a mother and child, although that's part of it. Jesus didn't come primarily to show us how to live, but to show us how to find life. Wesley addresses this at the beginning of the carol. Uh, He says, This is the good news of God, of the Incarnation, that God and sinners are reconciled. Reconciliation is an important biblical concept. The English word is from the Latin uh, re, which means again, and conciliare, which means unite. The reason God needs to send his son in the form of a baby is because God's relationship with his people has been broken. That happened way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve chose disobedience instead of obedience. And when they disobeyed God's word, they were corrupted by sin and they were cast out of the garden. Their lives and the lives of all their children, every person listening to my voice, were changed in that moment. There were no amount of principles that you could live by to find reconciliation. It was more than seven healthy habits to get right with God. Their relationship had been damaged upon repair, and so was ours. And the effects of the fall continue to mar the creation. Each of us are separated from God because of our own disobedient choices. James says, for whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. And this brokenness of relationship can't be fixed by human effort. It's, uh, there's no amount of counseling or psychology that can address it. We can't find life in experiences or achievement. Something needs to come from the outside to fix the problem. And that's what the incarnation is all about. Is God making a way for his people to be right with him, to be reconciled. It's a rescue mission to take back God's people who've been enslaved by the enemy And their own sin. You see, when God came in the form of this tiny little baby, essentially, the war was over. Although there were many and more battles to be faced, God in that momentous act had accomplished victory. It's just like when the Allies established a beachhead on the shores of Normandy in World War II. It was so powerfully depicted in Saving Private Ryan. While there was much to do in the war, it was essentially over. And so it is with the incarnation. It was only a matter of time, some 30 years or so, before Jesus would be crucified, rise from the dead, and conquer death. But when he was born in Bethlehem, it meant that Satan was finished, and that he and those who are his would be victorious, even if it meant we had to go on fighting. Through the birth of this child, the, the way was made for us to be reconciled with God. And another blessing of this reconciliation with God is our reconciliation with others. The power of sin causes division, dissension, discord. But when you and I realize what God has done for us through the reconciling work of the incarnation, we are are equipped then to be in right relationship with each other. If you know that you're sinful and you know that you're undeserving and, and yet the God of glory has forgiven you, you are willing to forgive someone who is near you. Is there a family member or a friend, even though they are undeserving of forgiveness, that should receive that forgiveness from you freely in light of the forgiveness that has been granted to you through Christ? Are you willing to make the first move in the same way that Jesus made the first move for you? To go and work it out. This season would be a different year for Christmas because there's healing and there's forgiveness, and there's grace. You see, the power of God's reconciliation in your life means the power of God's reconciliation in your relationships. And this is available to us because God has sent His one and only Son. It's what the herald angels are calling us to proclaim. Not only us, but all the nations of the earth, that every human being is invited into this life-transforming, relationship-reconciling triumph of the skies. The good news is what moved Charles Wesley to surrender his life to Jesus and to pen these words. It's the same good news that moved a boy named Felix to surrender his life to Christ. Born into a Jewish family in 1809, he he gave his life to Jesus when he was living in Germany. His home was a place of music, and he drew his inspiration from his faith. Felix Mendelssohn was one of the most significant composers of the 19th century and who inspired the tune that we sing when we sing this carol. It's actually called Mendelssohn. In the pages of Scripture and throughout the annals of history, men and women, boys and girls, being drawn by the Holy Spirit, are continuing to be led to give themselves over to this Christ child to experience this reconciliation. We see this in dramatic fashion in the Bible. Verse 8 of Luke chapter 2 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. When they were visited by the angel of the Lord, and they heard the heavenly host, they were moved to go and sing To see the thing that the Lord had made known to them. The angels announced that the long awaited Messiah was born, and their response was to go and see. Let us look upon this child and respond with praise. So let me ask you Have you responded to the announcement of the angels? Others see Jesus in the kindness of others through the faithful teaching of a loving parent, through the discipleship efforts of another, through many different ways the Christ child is being revealed in your midst, have you responded to what God has revealed to you? Are you like the shepherds responding in joyous praise because the great reconciler has come, the one who, as Wesley wrote, laid his glory by? He laid his glory by. He is too glorious for us to encounter. So he set aside his glory for a season so we could see who he is and respond and to approach, to be in relationship with him. Born to raise the sons and daughters of earth. Born to give us a second birth, that birth that John speaks about in John chapter 3. Ron Lee Davis shares a story from his book called Courage to Begin Again. He writes, the early years of the 19th century were... Difficult times in Germany. Rumors of revolution and rioting had the federated government in panic. Metternich, the chief statesman of the confederation, ordered thousands of young men to be drafted into the army to guard the borders and to put down internal revolts. Across the countryside, young men in uniform tramped off to an unknown destiny. In one German village stood a grand old stone-walled church with the ornately carved facade, beautiful stained glass, and a stately pipe organ. The organ was famed throughout the region for its beautiful, rich tone. And and one day, the aged caretaker of the church was interrupted by his chores, doing his chores, by a knock at the great door of the sanctuary. He opened the door to find a young man in uniform on the steps. "'Sir, I have a favor to ask,' the young soldier began. "'Would you please permit me to play the organ?' For one hour. I'm sorry, young man, the caretaker replied. No one but our organist is permitted to play the organ. That's true, at Woodland. (laughs) None of us could do it anyway. But sir, I've heard so much about the organ of this church and I've walked so many miles just to see it, just to play it for a single hour. The aged man paused, then shook his head sadly. Please, the soldier pleaded. My commander gave me a 24-hour leave. In a few more days, we move to another province where the fighting is expected to be heavy. This may be the last chance in my life to play the organ. The caretaker reluctantly nodded. He swung the door open and beckoned the soldier inside. Then he took a key from his pocket and held it out to the soldier. The organ is locked. Here is the key. The soldier took the key and unlocked the ornate cabinet of the organ, and then he began to play. A billow of majestic chords rolled from the great golden pipes of the organ. The caretaker stood transfixed as the glorious music washed over him, bringing tears to his eyes. He moved to one of the pews and sat down as if he was entranced. Within minutes, people from the village gathered at the church doorway and began to peer in, removing their hats. The villagers stepped into the sanctuary and sat down to listen. Streams of beautiful music filled the sanctuary for an hour. Then the gifted fingers of the organist struck a final chord and lifted from the keyboard. The young man closed and locked the keyboard cabinet. As he stood and turned, he was surprised to see that the church had nearly filled with parishioners who had laid aside their chores to listen to his music. Humbly receiving their compliments, the young soldier walked down the center aisle to return the key to the caretaker. Thank you, the young man whispered. The old man rose to his feet and took the key. Thank you, he answered, grasping the young soldier's gifted hands. Young man, that was the most beautiful music these old ears have ever heard. What is your name? My name is Felix. Felix Mendelssohn. The old caretaker's eyes widened as he realized whose hands he grasped. The hands of the young man who, before he was 20 years old, had become one of the most celebrated composers on the European continent. The old man's gaze followed the soldier as he left the church and disappeared into the village street. To think, the old man wondered. The master was here, and I almost failed to give him the key. So it is with us. The master is here. And he's offering reconciliation to us through his precious son. If you give him the key to your heart, he can make unimaginably beautiful music in your life. Music that will make the world stop and listen and wonder. The master is here and he's ready to transform us by his grace. It's not only our duty, but our joy to give him the key to all that we are and all that we have. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, Maturing God's People to Serve a Hurting World. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.